0: That's why you see so many chairs in here. So we're excited about what that's going to do. I want to encourage you to invite a couple hundred of your most intimate friends, and if fifteen or twenty of them come, that'll be good. That'll be good. Uh, we've got a little bit of uh, a skit and some uh, some songs and stuff that uh, will will be really cool. And that, yeah, cookies. How about that, huh? Would that be a good thing? Bring some cookies. Yeah. I think that's I think that's fun. That'll uh, that'll be good. Um, uh, yeah, and just also to reiterate what Jonathan said, in the back there are some uh, cards uh, that you can take and you can bring them on Christmas Eve or you can bring them to the office Monday or Tuesday, all right? And so if you want to, there's about, I don't know how many are back there, but if you want to grab two or three or whatever, uh, it'd be great if you took them all. Uh, you might want to leave a little bit for the next service so they can have some too. So okay, don't take all of them, but... Take most of them, and if, if God puts that on your heart, bring them back, and uh, it'll be a blessing uh, for sure. Uh, all right, with that, let's all stand, shall we? We'll get into God's Word this morning. <clears throat> don't you grab hands, of, uh, grab hands of somebody next to you? And let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace, your mercy. Thank you for this day. This is a beautiful day. It's a day that you have created. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. God, thank you for, um, for the fellowship of, uh, uh, of the body of Christ. Lord, thank you that though we are many, we are one body, and uh, that you are the head, and we might have different functions within the body, but we're all one body. Thank you for that, God, and uh, we ask that you would be glorified uh, in our midst. And Lord, this season is a season where people are thinking about spiritual things, and so we just um, ask, God, that you would uh, engage us to uh, join in the conversation Lord and um, uh, from those who are at a distance and those who are far away so Lord speak by your Holy Spirit have your way in this place and we give you all the honor and all the glory in Jesus name amen give someone a high five and have a seat if you would Okay, that was good. All right, so um, we're going to sing a song. It's an old song, so I'm just telling you that now, but it's one of those echo songs. So I'll say something, and then you say it, okay? And we got to clap when we do it, okay? All right, it's an old song. You might remember it. So when I say, it's, it's called, I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed, and you go, I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Okay, you got it. Okay, you guys ready? Get the hands going. Get the hands going. A little bit slower. Slow down. Slow down. There we go. I've been, I've, been I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, filled with the Holy Ghost I am. I've been Oh, all my sins. Ah, never mind, I forgot the last one. All my sins are washed away. I've been redeemed. All right, okay. You know that song. That was pretty good. You guys were right on with that. Oh, that's right. You were echoing. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So what does that mean? What does that mean? I've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. I've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. Been redeemed by the blood of the lamb filled with the Holy Ghost. I've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. What does that mean? If you were uh, out shopping or whatever, sharing Christ as being a a light and and you said to someone, hey, have you been redeemed? Is that something you'd say? You might not. But what does it mean? To be saved? What else? To be forgiven. Yes. What else? To be delivered from what? From our sins and from death, really. I mean, we all, you know, death has a hundred percent. Except for Jesus, right? Death has a 100% fatality rate, right? What else does it mean to be redeemed? To be given a gift. What else? Bought. Bought. To be born again. again. That's all. Great, great answers. Redeemed. And you know, this week as I was thinking about just where God would have us go, that word just came to my mind. Redeemed. Christmas season. Now, a lot of times during the Easter season... We speak about redemption, but during this Christmas season, I want to just spend a little bit of time on that word this morning. Now, how many of you guys remember blue chip stamps? <laughs> blue chip stamps. Some of, the, some of the young folks are going, what is that? As I recall... When you went to certain stores, now, now today they call them like, like rewards, like if you shop at a department store or whatever, they give you rewards, or maybe you have a credit card and, and when you use it, you get rewards, and then so you, you uh, get so many rewards, and, and then you can redeem the rewards for certain things. Well, back in the day, they had these things called blue chip stamps, and wherever, you know, certain places, I don't even remember where, uh, you'd go to certain places and they'd give you these stamps. And then you'd have a coupon book, right? And then you'd get all these stamps and you'd put them in. And then you'd go to the Redemption Center or whatever it was called. And there were two different kinds. There was blue chip and something else, but I don't remember. S&H Green, a- S-H Green Stamps. <laughs> and then, of course, there was food stamps too. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, you would take these, 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 these stamps to, uh, to a store and you'd get these Pretty miscellaneous items, but the more stamps you got, the more uh, stuff you got. Now, could you imagine if you had like, like books and books and books of those stamps, right? And, and you and, and you just and someone said like, man, you got you could like get a car with all those stamps you got. Yeah, no, no, I'm just collecting the stamps, man. I'm just, I'm trying to get as many stamps as I can. And it's like, okay, okay, the point is not just to gather a book full of stamps, but to what? Redeem them for something. Okay? Redemption. Redemption. The Bible is a book of redemption. It's that or it's nothing at all. Uh, It's not just a book of archaeology. Sir William Ramsey, one of the greatest archaeologists of all time, spent 30 years trying to disprove something in the Bible with archaeology. He was unable to do it. It's not just a book of prophecy. It's not just a book of science. You may not know that naval engineers tell us that the width and the length ratio uh, of Noah's Ark is the uh, was and is the ideal design for stability of a non-propelled ship? Okay, all the way back in Genesis, and it wasn't until the 1900s that a comparable barge to Noah's Ark was actually built. Yeah, the Bible is a book of science. Well, um, so the Bible is a book of redemption from the very beginning to the very end. And when you think about the 66 books of the Bible, you have to think about it in terms of the big picture, different authors, different continents, different languages, all with one consistent story, and that's the story of redemption. I have a little video clip that uh, I'd like to show you guys. It kind of like sets the tone for the things we'll be talking about uh, this week.
1: The Bible is not a series of disconnected stories, it is a single narrative in which every story, every character points beyond itself to one who is greater. The story of Adam and Eve is not just about the first man and woman, there is a true and better Adam who passed the test in the garden and whose obedience is ascribed to us. There is a true and better Abel who, though innocently slain, has blood that cries out not for our condemnation, but for our acquittal. There is a true and better Abraham who answered the call of God to leave all the comfortable and familiar and go out into the void to create a new people of God. There is a true and better Isaac the son of laughter, of grace, who was not just offered up by his Father on the mount, but was truly sacrificed for us all. There is a true and better Jacob, who wrestled and took the blow of justice we deserve, so we, like Jacob, only receive the wounds of grace that wake us up and discipline us. There is a true and better Joseph, who at the right hand of the king forgives those who betrayed and sold him and uses his new power to save them there is a true and better moses who stands in the gap between the people and the lord and who mediates a new covenant there is a true and better rock of moses who struck with the rod of god's justice now gives us water in the desert there is a true and better job the truly innocent sufferer, who then intercedes for and saves his foolish friends. There is a true and better David, whose victory becomes his people's victory, though they never lifted a stone to accomplish it themselves. There is a true and better Esther, who didn't just risk losing an earthly palace, but lost the ultimate heavenly one, who didn't just risk his life, but gave his life to save his people. There is a true and better Jonah, who was cast out into the storm so that we could be brought in. There is a true and better Passover lamb, innocent, perfect, helpless, slain so the angel of death will pass over us. He's the true temple, the true prophet, the true priest, the true king, the true sacrifice, the true lamb, the true light and the true bread. The Bible is not a series of disconnected stories. It is a single narrative that points to one person, Jesus.
0: Amen, amen, amen. The single most important word, maybe, in the Bible, Jesus, name, Jesus redemption. The word in the Old Testament represents um, it occurs 118 times and it means to redeem one's relatives from difficulty or danger. It's buying back family or property or buying a family member out of slavery. Uh, ga'al is the name. The masculine participle of the verb is goel. go-el. Uh, in the Psalms God is represented as Israel's goel or redeemer. And you might be familiar with this song, Uh, uh, Job 19.25 says, I know that my Redeemer lives. And in the end, he shall stand on the earth, or I shall see him. Um, In the Greek language, there's agorazo, which means to buy from a marketplace. It was used to describe the believer being purchased out of the slave market of sin and set free from sin and bondage. And the imagery is, is that as somebody was sold in slavery, and there would be this uh, uh, this, this marketplace where they were literally buying slaves and someone would purchase that slave. The idea of this word is that that is what was taking place. It was this person being purchased by someone. And so we have the analogy of being set free or being purchased from the slave market of sin and, uh, 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 the, and bondage and, and slavery and that. Uh, the Bible says that sin shall not be your master, for you're not under law, but under grace. Why? Because you've been redeemed out of that. 1 Corinthians sixteen nineteen and 20 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price, therefor? therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so um, there's another word, ex agarazo, which is a little bit stronger word, which means redeemed from the curse and bondage of the law and the stresses, not only purchasing, being purchased from that, but to be removed from it. And that's the emphasis, to actually be removed. Galatians 3.13 uses this word and says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Another word that's used is to set free by payment of a ransom Luke 24, they said, we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Another word is the deliverance of the believer from the presence and power of sin and of his body from bondage to corruption at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that specifies a point in time. And so redemption is sort of like this this time continuum. It's something that we experience now as something that was afforded to us when Jesus Christ came. And it's also something that will be fulfilled when we see Jesus face to face. Redemption has three parts to it. It's first and foremost associated with forgiveness. You cannot be redeemed or purchased off of the slavery auction block of sin and, 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 and the slavery that comes with sin... Uh, If you've not experienced forgiveness, we receive forgiveness through the redemption price of Christ's death. Another term is is justification. And maybe you've heard this explained this way. Justification is just as if I've never sinned. And I hate that definition because it's not what it is. The fact of the matter is, is I have sinned. We've all sinned. I'm guilty of sin. I've broken all of God's commandments. Some of them are all the, all at once. I've broken more of God's commandments than I can remember. I mean, I have a hard enough time remembering times when I've when I've broken His law. But there's a whole bunch of times that I don't even remember when I've broken them. And so, to be justified doesn't mean it's just like you never sin. It means that we receive this favored status from God, and it's, it means you have sinned, but you are deemed by God as not guilty. That's what justification is. And that happens as a result of redemption. And then there's the final deliverance that will take place at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Redemption always involves going from something to something else. In this case, it's Christ who's freeing us from uh, the penalty and the bondage of the law to freedom of a new life in Him. And so all throughout the Bible, that's the story. It's the story of redemption. Think about this. Adam and Eve sinned in the very beginning. God goes after them. Remember, they weren't looking for God so much like the heart of man. When we sin or when we do something wrong, we want to hide. Children do that naturally, don't they? I mean, they do something, and then, and, then they, and then they know that it's wrong. What do they do? They hide. And what do we do as parents? We go through the house, and maybe we know where they are because their foot's sticking out or something like that, you know. Uh, and, we, and we go, where are you? And in the garden, that's exactly what God did. He went after his people. That's what redemption does. And God takes an animal and sacrifices that animal. Somewhere in the Garden of Eden, there had not been death, and after Adam and Eve sinned, God sets this this theme of redemption. Uh, uh, It's called the scarlet theme of redemption throughout the Bible where there's an animal that dies. He takes the skins of that animal and covers them up because they had tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. And we see the picture of something innocent dying for that which is guilty, the first glimpse of the scarlet thread. Remember Cain and Abel. Uh, Cain killed his brother Abel. Uh, he was, uh, had envy in his heart, and jealousy and rage. He was crouching at the door, the Lord said, "But he had to master it. he didn't. Cain brings an offering from the ground, and Abel brings an offering from the flock. One of those offerings was pleasing to God. the other was not. Uh, the offering from the ground was, was not accepted to God because of the way it was given, but the one of the flock was. God's covenant with Abraham required a blood sacrifice. The Lord revealed his scarlet thread of redemption again as Abraham was called to take his son, his only son in whom all the promises that God had made him uh, lie, and take him up to the mountain and offer him up to the Lord, which he was willing to do. Remember what happened as Abraham was ready to sacrifice his son and the Lord stepped in. The angel of the Lord came and said, Abraham, Abraham, don't do that. Uh, His obedience had been tested and there was a ram that was caught in the thicket, the scarlet thread of redemption. On the night of the exodus from Egypt, you remember that where um, uh, the angel of death was passing over. It was the tenth and the final plague against the Egyptians. And this last plague was going to be the one that would set them free. God had tried to get Pharaoh's attention and he refused to listen. Therefore, he became an instrument of God's wrath and a deliverance for the people of God. And you remember how they were to take this lamb and they were to bring it into their house and on the fourth day they were to slaughter this lamb and they were to take the blood of this lamb and apply it to the doorpost of their, of their home. And anyone who had that blood applied, even if they were Egyptian, if they believed by faith that God was true to His word, they would apply the blood and then the angel of death would pass over. That's where that comes from. And that was a picture of Jesus Christ, an awesome picture of what was going to take place. And so the blood had to be applied. That's another thing to remember. Remember later on when Joshua and uh, the spies entered into the land of Jericho. Uh, Israel is on the verge of finally taking the land that God had promised them. Uh, They were excited. Joshua sent some spies into Jericho and they ended up in the company of a prostitute named Rahab. Yeah, because I guess if you want to find out what's going on in the city, that's where you end up. Who knows? But it, <laughs> they tend to know. Hey, hey, it was providential. God sent them there, right? Uh, uh, this, this woman's house was on the outside of the wall. Um, she hid them and ended up saving their lives. She let them down by a rope in the window of her house, on the city wall. And though this woman had lived a sinful life and was among the people that God was going to destroy, somehow she found favor in the eyes of God and her heart was ready for what God wanted to do. She put her faith in the God of Israel. Uh, The spies told her when they left, Because they were going to come back and that city was going to be destroyed. You remember how they marched around the city and the walls caved in and everyone was destroyed and everything was banned. They weren't even to take anything from that place. They said, take this scarlet or red thread or cord or rope or whatever it was, tie that from your window and and everyone who is inside of your house, will be spared. Not only that, but everything you own will be spared as well. When the wall of Jericho fell and the nation of Israel came in to destroy the city, Rahab and her relatives were saved and and taken into God's people. Their belongings were saved because of that scarlet thread. What an awesome picture of God's redemptive plan. Uh, That scarlet thread thread in her window brought redemption, brought life to her and all of her family. And there was another unexpected blessing that took place. This former prostitute and heathen worshiper became the mother of Boaz, who married Ruth, who ended up the great-great-grandmother of King David, and who was in the lineage of the Messiah. Now you can't, you can't script that. You can't script that. One of these days, I'm gonna do a teaching on, the, on the, the, the women in the lineage of the Messiah because there are some characters, but it's a story of God's grace. Imagine that, right? Only God would do that, right? What an epic story of God's redeeming power, all right? And then there's the story of Ruth. And if you get a chance to read the the book of Ruth, it's a great read. We've done an entire book study on it in the past. Um, It's an amazing love story. It's set in the backdrop of a famine in the days of the book of Judges. Ruth loses her husband, and she clings to her mother-in-law, Naomi. She's a Moabite woman who is outside of the promises of God. She forsakes her pagan heritage. She forsakes her pagan land in order to cling to Naomi and the God of Naomi and the people of Naomi. There's a famine that's taken place. There were two, there were two other uh, uh, sister, uh, sister-in-laws in the family, and they chose to stay there. Ruth said, Naomi, I'm going with you. You might know the song. We sing it, Where You Go, I'll Go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow you. And it meant, it, we sing that to the Lord, but Naomi, uh, uh, Ruth said that to Naomi. Wherever you go, I'll go with you. Your God, she said, will be my God. And you know what? That was one of the greatest decisions in the Bible. I mean, that's another teaching series. Great decisions of the Bible. I mean, she could have stayed where she was. She could have stayed in the familiar. She could have stayed with that which she had known all of her life, but she didn't. She said, you know what, I'm going to go. Not knowing what the future would hold, she goes and leaves everything behind. Well, they get back to Jerusalem, and um, you know things are pretty grim in Jerusalem, but maybe not as bad. There's food there, and uh, if you live in ancient times and there's a, a famine in the land, you need to get to where the food is there's food there and so she goes out into a field and she gleans some crops this was sort of an ancient welfare program god told his people listen when you harvest your fields leave some of the stuff the fruit vegetables leave some of it there why so that the poor can come and gather it up and so that's what naomi does Uh, that's what ruth does rather she goes out into the field to glean some crops now Let me tell you about the law of the kinsman redeemer. There was a provision in the law of Moses uh, for a poor person who was forced to sell their property or sell themselves into slavery. Because what happened was when you got yourself in debt and you couldn't get out you could sell yourself into slavery for a portion of time. It wasn't meant to be forever. Now, after some designated amount of time, if you chose to remain a slave, you could. But it would be by your choice after your debt was paid. Okay? Now, um, if there was someone that was the nearest of kin, they could step in and buy back what the relative was forced to sell, according to Leviticus 25, 48. So the kinsman-redeemer was more of a, 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 a richer benefactor, a family member who frees the debtor by paying the ransom price. Okay, Remember we're talking about redemption and the price paid for redemption. Okay. Uh, it says, if a fellow countryman of yours becomes so poor he has to sell part of his property, then his nearest kinsman is to come and buy back what, what his relative has sold. So the nearest of kin had the responsibility of redeeming his kinsman's lost opportunity. So if a person was forced into slavery, his kinsman could purchase him out of slavery. Uh, When debt threatened to overwhelm them, the kinsman would, would step in and redeem his homestead that the family could continue to live there. If a family member died without an heir, the kinsman gave his name by marrying the widow, in this case Ruth, and rearing the son to hand down that name. Deuteronomy 25, uh, verse 5, Ruth chapter 3 and 4. So when death came at the hands of another man, the kinsman, Redeemer, acted as the avenger of blood and pursued the killer. Numbers 35 and Deuteronomy 19. Well, it turns out as she goes to this field, she just happens to end up in the field of a near relative of Naomi named Boaz that fits the bill. He is her kinsman redeemer. And so here's the whole point of all of this talk about redemption. The kinsman redeemer, first of all, had to be able to do it, okay? But not only that, he had to be willing to do it, because he didn't have to. had to be willing. Thirdly, the kinsman had to be free himself, and fourthly, they had to be related. Okay? Had to be able, had to be willing, had to be free themselves, and had to be a close relative. Open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 5. And this is kind of where we want to focus in Next few moments on during this Christmas season. We've gone through this chapter already. It's kind of a really mountaintop in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 5, verse 1 says, Now, first of all, remember that the kinsman had to be able. Jesus is qualified. And he's the only one who's qualified to be our kinsman redeemer. He's the only one who can purchase us off of the slavery auction block. He's the only one who can buy us off of uh, and pay off the debt that we have. Uh, We are all in bondage to sin, all of us. And maybe uh, prior to becoming a Christian, I really didn't realize that. I didn't realize that sin was like a master. Well, nobody tells me what to do. I do whatever I want to do. Okay, you're selfish and you're a slave to yourself or a slave to something. Well, we need to be set free from that. That's what Jesus came to do. But he's the only one who could do it. But here's what makes him unique. First of all, he's the only one able. Revelation 5 says this, verse 1. I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book written inside and on the back, sealed up with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the book or look into it. Then I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look in it. And one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome So as to open the book and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne the four living creatures, the elders, a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. When he had taken the book, the four living creatures, the twenty-four elders, fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints, and they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Jesus alone is able To be our kinsman redeemer. No one else is worthy. Who in all of history is worthy to purchase us off of that slavery auction block? Who in all of the universe is able to do that but Jesus Christ? Name the religion, name the religious leader, name the belief system, and tell me who is able to do that besides Jesus Christ. I I say there's no one. There's no one else. No one else has the qualifications. He alone is able. Secondly, he is willing. He is willing. Jesus said, I didn't come to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. What was the purpose among many things that Jesus came was to ransom and redeem that which was lost. He, he came to, to, to seek and to search out and to find those who were lost. That's you and I. Luke twenty-two forty-two. 42, he says... Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. He alone is able, he alone, he was willing, and then he alone is free himself. Free himself, it's the law. First Peter 18 says this, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you. Do you hear the terminology? That's the kinsman redeemer talk, the ransom. Right, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors, and it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. Ah, that is awesome. He alone is free himself; no one else is. One person is able to free us that is free from sin. No one but Jesus. Okay. Now here's here's like the the bottom line. This is it, guys. This is like, this is this is this is what I wanted to say. Everything points to this right here. This Christmas season, we talk about the coming Messiah, Jesus. Coming on Earth, you know we the, away in the manger, you know we sing the songs and and I'm, I'm always like amazed at at the distance that God came, how far he he traveled, I guess not in the sense but I mean, to this earth Th- that God came to earth, it, it just blows me away and then and then. Here's why for me. For me. I was just sharing that at, at the rescue mission with somebody on Friday. I had a wonderful time, by the way, Friday night at the rescue mission. I have, I have some pictures on my phone. I, I, I'll have to email them to Lawrence and get them up for next service or something, next week maybe. But, but just, just met tons of stuff. And, and these you know, people getting stuff. And, and then there was another church, a Samoan church, Uh, You know that they had brought some stuff. I should have asked them about pop blessings. So you guys do pop blessings like when's the next uh, food get together? You know um, know, You'll appreciate this I said hey you guys got all the colorful clothes here. They said that's because we're Polynesian. I said right 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 and um, But uh, wonderful time I was sharing with a with a a man there about about uh, God's love for him and how far God came for him praying with him, tears rolling down his cheeks, you know. And, and I think, man, Christmas is, is about Christ, not just coming for him, but for me. I mean, I mean he didn't have to do that. I mean, because I know me. You know, I mean, I, I mean I, 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 on, my, on my best days, I'm okay. <laughs> right? But he did that for me. Oh, man. He, uh, the kinsman redeemer had to be a close relative, so how is God our close relative? I mean, how, do, how, do, how, does, how does that happen? Oh, right? You got it. You know. Galatians 4, 4 and 5 says, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. There it is. Let me read it in the, in the Amplified. That was a New Living Translation. The Amplified Bible says, But when the proper time had, had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born subject to the regulations of the law, to purchase the freedom, to ransom, to redeem, to atone for, for those who were subject to the law, that's us, that we might be adopted, and have sonship conferred upon us and he recognized and be recognized as God's Son. New King James says it this way. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. Notice it doesn't say born of a husband, born of a man, born of a woman. Why? Because he had no earthly father. Born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And that word for fullness of time means Uh, uh, plamora. We get our English word plethora. You could say that in the plethora of time, the superabundance of time, at the exact right time, at the appropriate time, the the kairos time of God, not chronos like my watch, but a God-ordained appointment. In the fullness of time, God sent his son. That's what we celebrate We celebrate the plethora, the superabundance, the fullness of time that that God sent forth His Son. Why did He send Him when He sent Him? Because it was the time to send Him. It was a time when Pax Romana extended over most of the civilized earth and and when travel and commerce were, were therefore possible in a way that had formerly been impossible Great roads linked the empire of the Caesars and its diverse regions were linked far more significantly by, all, by the all-pervasive language of the Greeks. Add the fact that the world was sunk in a moral abyss so low that even the pagan cried out against it and that spiritual hunger was everywhere evident. And uh, one has a, uh, uh, has a perfect time for the coming of Christ And for the early expansion of the Christian gospel, Boyce says, that's the fullness of time. The time was also right because 483 years later, Daniel had prophesied that that time would come. So the work of redemption belongs to Jesus alone. You cannot add to it. You cannot purchase it. All of the religions require you to do the work. It's true. Every other religious belief system requires you to do the work. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, when it's all said and done, you'll be good enough. Oh, and even if someone doesn't believe in God, they'll say, even if there is a God up there, boy, I'm telling you, man, I live a pretty good life, so I'm just praying that at the end, my good outweighs my bad. Well, who's going to judge that? You? You? And if, you, and if you do judge that, are you going to be honest about you? Because if you are, we know how that's going to go. <laughs> right? Ah. Someone said this, I don't know who said it, but it's not thy hold on Christ that saves thee. It is Christ's. It is not thy joy in Christ that saves thee. It is Christ. It is not even thy faith in Christ that saves thee. Though that be the instrument, it is Christ's blood and merit redemption. John Newton, a man who wrote maybe the most famous hymn in America, Amazing Grace, knew how to remember this. He was an only child whose mother died when he was only seven years old. And he became a sailor and went out to sea at 11 years old. And as he grew up, he became the captain of a slave ship and had an active hand in the degradation and the destruction and the inhumanity of the slave trade. But when he was 23, March 10th, 1748, when his ship was in danger of sinking off the coast of Newfoundland, he cried to God for mercy, and he found it. And he never forgot how amazing that God, how amazing it was that God had received him as bad as he was. And to keep it fresh in his memory, he fastened across the wall over the fireplace mantle of the study these words. Deuteronomy fifteen fifteen, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Redemption. Redemption requires that you apply to your own life what Christ has done. Have you applied the blood of Jesus to your life? Have you received Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Um, Someone mentioned, uh, uh, Ken and Joanne, come on up, guys. Come on up guys, because we're we're gonna we're gonna prepare to take a love offering kind of as I or just can, either way. <laughs> um, um, imagine if you would that that you got this this gift uh, for Christmas and someone was so excited to be giving it to you. And, and, and they said, you know, you have no, and you know, doesn't this sometimes, don't you kind of get more joy out of like giving like a really awesome gift than maybe receiving one? Okay, maybe not, but... Um. No, no I, mean, I, I kind of get a lot of joy receiving them, but, you know, someone who just said, oh, I got the perfect gift for you, boy, you don't you, you know, have any, don't try to guess, you have no don't shake the box, you know, because, you know, it's got a rock in it to throw you off or whatever, you have no idea, what I'm, you know, open it up, you know, I'll open it later, no, no, open it now, because I want to see your reaction, man, you're going to be so blown away, this is perfect, you might can't wait, open it up, and you're like, no, I'll just open it later, no, 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 open it now. Because I want to I see this. I want to see your expression. You know, no, I don't know. I don't really feel like it. Or I don't know if I'm ready. Or i just open it later. No, open it right now. I want. Come on, you're, this is killing me. You don't know how long, I, how far I had. it came from, uh, open it. No, nah, 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 no, not yet. You know, maybe next year. You know, I'm kind of young. I still have a lot of life to live. I don't want to open gifts now. What's wrong with you? I mean, could you imagine that? You get some amazing gift for a child, and they just are like, eh, you haven't opened the best. You've got to open this. Eh, no, you know what? The tree is so pretty, and I like my gift, and it's the biggest gift, but you know what? I'm just going to leave it there because it's so cool right there. Open it up. And then if you're like me, you'll say, listen, you got to the count of three, or I'm opening the gift, all right? I'm getting... I'm, I'm getting my sense of release and excitement, whether you open it, you might not be excited about it, but I am, so I'm going to open it, you know? I don't know, right? And here's God who gives the ultimate gift of our redemption, and he says, open it up, open it up. Nah, not ready. No, come on. No, you don't understand. This is a perfect gift for you. This is what you need. This is the one thing that you can't get it anywhere else. You know how far I had to go to get. You know what I had to do to have this gift. And now open it. Eh, no, I kind of got my, I got my own gifts, and I don't know. And you know, eh, I'm not ready. Ugh. The heart of a loving father who says, "Open it up. Open it up." May you do that. May you do that. May you do that. Open up God's gift of redemption. You know what it is now. Open it up and enjoy it. That's what it's for. What a pleasure it is for the Lord when we do that. So much so, there's joy in the presence of all the angels. Let's pray. Come on up, guys, and then we're going to take a a missions offering. Father God, thank you for your word this morning, and thank you for your, your mercy and your grace, which allows us this amazing, amazing opportunity. Father, we thank you for your redemption. We thank you that you have have set the stage for this. And God, I pray for anyone here who's never opened that gift. And maybe everyone here has. God, you you, uh, you are so willing. In the story of the prodigal son, the son who's spent his fortune on loose living and lost it all and came home a wreck. God, you ran to him in the illustration of the prodigal son. Just as you ran to me and and to those here. And and, and this morning, if you've never received Christ, all of heaven is is pleading with you. The Spirit of God is is drawing you and circumstances in your life have brought you to, to to the uh, uh, the fullness of time and, and you might say yes God I need that and if that's you I, wanna, I want you to raise your hand I just want to pray with you, you've never done it before maybe you have maybe you know you have that assurance that you've been redeemed if that's you raise your hand, I wanna, anybody at all would say yes God that's me, that's what I need that's what I need, anybody at all you've never done it before yeah, anybody, alright alright All right, Father, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your grace. God, move on our hearts. Move on our hearts, oh God, in a way that only you can. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen.